This is Internet Marketing. Brought to you by Site Visibility at sitevisibility.com. This is Internet Marketing. Now, before we start today, we have a request. If you are really enjoying what we do here on the Internet Marketing Podcast, then if you could, please leave us a review on iTunes or your podcast app, of course. That would be fab. Um, it really helps us to grow the podcast and ensure we bring you great marketing tips and advice each week. Now, today, I'm joined by Bas van den Belt award-winning digital marketing consultant, trainer and speaker and founder of the State of Digital. Bas, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Hi, Andy. I'm actually just giving you a five-star rating on my podcast app. Are you really? Yes. <laughs> it's, it's very kind of it. I think this is a first. This is a first <laughs> where we've had a, li- a, a live rating on the show. <laughs> now, we've uh, spoken a couple of times before. I think the first time, let me, let me see, I think May 2012, we spoke to Kelvin, and then I spoke to you, didn't I, uh, November last year uh, on matching yes. content to audience. And it was an equally grey day, I seem to remember. It's grey both in the UK and the Netherlands at the moment again, isn't it? Even though it's May, it's just not fair, is it? Yeah, um, no, no. But um, we're going to talk today about uh, the importance of speaking in public, which is something that I bizarrely really like to do as well, so it should be quite a good conversation. But before we um, dig into that, just remind our listeners, tell us a bit about yourself, the state of digital, and your new website, Speak With Persuasion. Yeah, sure. I founded a website called State of Search back in, twenty, I think, 2011 it was, together with Lisa Myers. And just because I wanted to write about search, and we kind of grew that out to be one of the biggest in the search industry in Europe quite fast. And then we changed it to State of Digital a few years back uh, because we saw that the industry was getting wider. Not that search wasn't important anymore, it still is. Mm. But uh, we, we figured it would be better off uh, being a little bit broader and, and less, na- less niche. And um, uh, actually, State of Digital and State of Search brought me a speaking career as well. Because because of the writing, uh, I got to know events organizers. I got to know uh, events itself. I got to go to events and, and look at uh, other speakers. And, and at one point, they asked me, so what, why aren't you speaking? Mm. And that actually brought me on stage as well. And ever since, I've been speaking quite a bit. And in the last couple of years, I have started to help out other speakers become better speakers because I kind of have like a... Uh, it's difficult to say, but it's kind of an, like a natural kind of talent to to be on a stage and to be teaching. Mm. Uh, I, I am a trade te- teacher as well, but my parents are both teachers, so um, it kind of comes natural to me. And I'm helping out others to uh, become better speakers. And, and at one point I was like, I should do more with this. So last year I founded, um, well, actually the beginning of the year, I founded speakwithpersuasion.com which is a website that focuses on giving speakers tips and tricks. And I also offer some training on that Mm. website. So um, I'm doing that on top of all the other things that I've already was doing, just making it a little bit more official, so to speak. Now, speaking is is such a sort of huge area. I'm not quite sure where to start. Oh, no, I know where I'm going to start because we'll come on to like sort of how to overcome fear and things a bit later. But I'm just wondering, what is it about speaking, Bass, that is so so powerful? Why, why should every – I was going to say, why should every marketer be speaking? But it, it almost applies to everyone, really. What is it about speaking that, that is so – sort of gives so much leverage – 
I, I would personally say the in, so, so there's there's a couple of things in there. So we're all talking about content marketing these days, right? Mm. So everything is content marketing. We need to produce the right content and videos and and, and articles and everything. And and one thing that almost constantly is missing in all of that is is the speaking part, which is part of content marketing because it is an opportunity to explain to a audience what it is that you want to say. So it you could you could compare it to an article, for example. But mm. the thing is, with speaking, it's much more powerful than actually writing an article, because if you write an article, you you don't have any influence on how people actually read the article. You can do tricks, of course, with um, how how to tell a tell a story and and build up of of, of an article. But actually speaking in public, having the audience in front of you, that gives you the opportunity to play with the audience and to actually take them on a uh, on a trip that they will remember mm. they, they will remember a story being told by a person in front of them on a stage longer and better and it will have more impact than something that they read because they read all the time and they read so much so it, there's a there's a lot more impact coming from speaking so i would i would suggest every marketer to 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 start speaking if it's not themselves make it part of the marketing uh, cycle all the things that you're doing speaking should be there because it, it influences people so much that's why i've called it speak with persuasion as well because it persuades people to do stuff much more powerful than than for example uh, um, an article yeah so it's more like sort of taking people by the hand and taking them on a journey through the through the sort of medium of almost storytelling i suppose isn't it Yes, and it's it's as old as human beings are, and um, we've always been speaking. And and the most powerful people in the past as well have been speakers. And um, if you if you go back to to the old Greek, so I, I'm a history student. Have to tell you that I studied okay. history, so that's one of the reasons why I look back at those things as yeah. well. But if you go back to the old Greek, the most powerful people, the ones that uh, had the most impact, and that we still talk about, like Socrates, Plato. Of course, they wrote down stuff, but the most powerful part of it was that they talked about it and that they gathered people around them and explained to them and and got them excited Mm. and got them to uh, inspire to do stuff. So it's been there forever. And it's always been a very powerful tool to get people to do and to think about certain things and and, and get them on a journey. So if you could sum up, what what would you say would be the... top sort of three or four things that that make a, a good speaker best so there's that you have to make a difference between tactical things mm. and the more i would say almost say strategical things which most of the cases uh, come more natural uh, so tactical for example is is how do you present uh, are you um, moving in the right way? Are you saying a lot of words at the same time? Those kind of things. Of course, that 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 everybody can can learn that. That's just exercise, exercise. Mm. Um, this more strategic part is actually thinking about how to present a story. People are very open to stories and remember stories vividly. That's why we all still remember many of the stories that our parents told us when we were young. Yeah. We can we could still tell them to our own kids without having to grab a book and, and talk to, uh, tell the story again because we like to listen to stories and and, and it has a lot of impact. So what uh, and a very important part of being a good speaker is and especially in marketing is that you create a story and not just state facts. 
And um, I think we've seen a shift in that in the last couple of years in, in, in the industry as well. When I when I started off speaking myself and started attending conferences, mm-hmm. there were a lot of talks that were very tactical, practical, which is good, but that, that were very uh, almost bullet-like, and you could actually see the bullets on the screen oh, as well. No, no, De- death. What do they call that? Death by PowerPoint. <laughs> death by PowerPoint. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, uh, that, that was that was very common. People were just like uh, putting bullets on, but the entire presentation, not just the, the slides, the entire presentation was one big bullet list because they were just like rambling up everything that they knew, and they were just rambling out facts. Whereas if you uh, look at conferences now, you see a lot more speakers actually understanding that they need to, to tell a story. So they need to understand that the audience wants to f- uh, to, to see the problem that, that they have, um, uh, that want to recognize the problem in the story and then go like, oh, that's something that, that we want to do as well. And that, that happens with us. And, and, and then they start listening to you so you have to earn trust in the beginning you have to make them understand what you're talking about as in a this is a problem then there has to be a hero in it which definitely is not the speaker uh, but somebody else and and build up like that so i think one of the major things when it comes to being a good speaker is to understand what it is that your audience wants uh, and also the issues that your audience has because if i start talking about I had that actually a mistake that I made myself. Might, might be a good example. Yes. Um, is is I did a presentation so about Netflix uh, yeah. once and and how they uh, work on data, and the presentation was a huge success in what was it? I think it was somewhere in the UK that I talked about it. So I was like really happy with the presentation. I then went to Turkey mm. and I talked did the same similar presentation. Turns out they didn't have Netflix yet ah. in. Uh, Turkey, even though it wasn't about Netflix as such as as, as the recognition, as in, because it was about the data and how they work, it still didn't make sense because they couldn't relate because they didn't have Netflix. So mm-hmm. I should have taken a different example there. So, so that was a mistake on my side. So I've never made that mistake again. I yeah. I, I always understand. Okay, what's what what culture are we in? What are the issues that issues that we uh, that they run into, and then uh, talk about that. So I, I, if you want, I'm going to give you an, an example of a good a good example. Please um, do, because it's another story, you see, isn't it? And yes, everyone, everyone's yes. ears, ears are pricking up, you see. <laughs> exactly. It's another story, yeah. So I spoke in Iran several times, mm. uh, which is very interesting because it's a very different country than the country that we the countries that we live in. And what I did is I, uh, I had a presentation about storytelling. And I started off my presentation, I, I did some research on, on what are the issues that are, are important for the country. And I, I, I found some some stuff that I could talk about, but that then again, it wasn't really something that I was very familiar with. So that's a danger. So you shouldn't shouldn't go into topics that you don't know anything about. Yeah. And then this was like a year after the World Cup in Brazil, and I suddenly realized, wait a minute, Iran played in the World Cup, and I'm a football fan myself, so that's something that that I can talk about quite easily. Yes. And then I did some more research, and I found that Iran played Argentina in in the World Cup, and they lost the game one one nil by a late goal from Lionel Messi. And actually, Iran should have had a penalty halfway through the match, and they didn't get the penalty. <sighs> so I realized that was happening. That happened, and I also knew that Iran and Argentina go way back when it comes to uh, disputes. So somehow it's weird how the, how it works with countries like they're not even close together, mm. but. They're enemies. They've always been enemies. 
so that was kind of like an extra issue that was around the match. So I started my presentation with a few images of that specific match, and I told a story about how the match evolved. But then I made a little switch in the story when we got to the penalty moment. Mm. I actually rewarded them the penalty. So I said, Aran did get the penalty. <laughs> and they won the game. And uh, so everybody was very excited. Yeah. And then, and then I stopped for a second. I said, this story really happened on my son's Xbox. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> because it was about storytelling, and they were like, oh, I could give them an example of how, how you can make something that, that is real and not real at the same time mm. um, and, and get people involved. And I, so it did a couple of things for me. I could explain something about storytelling. And at the same time, um, I earned their trust because I talked about something that that was an issue for them and i took their side as well so i oh, <laughs> i could have let argentina win anyway but then they would be like Meh, they wouldn't like me too much <laughs> so this helped in, in in many ways so so storytelling is definitely something that um uh, makes a, a good speaker tactical one thing I w- i'd like to uh, pick out on that timing is hugely important mm. understanding when to click to a next slide understanding when to make a joke or not waiting a little bit saying something, not just rambling out everything at the same speed, mm. but mixing it up a little. I think that is what makes a great speaker, actually. If you know how to do that naturally, that's amazing. You can well, learn of course, it. I mean, comedians have this down to a T, don't they? The timing side of it. Exactly. The pauses yeah. are important, as, as important as the words, aren't they? Exactly. So that, that uh, and, and it's even gestures as well, or, or not looking at a screen. So sometimes I have a funny image on the screen, and the one thing that many speakers do is they, they they click and then look at the screen and go smile like, that's a funny picture, right? I just don't respond to the picture. I let the people absorb it. I just look forward. And I'm not saying anything, just like looking forward. Uh, and that, that is part of timing as well. And, and that's something that I found out recently many uh, a lot when I'm, when I'm analyzing other, other speakers is that the ones that I get excited about are the ones who do that really well. Mm. So I think having a good story, understanding your audience and, and the right timing, if, you, if you're asking for three things, that, that makes a good speaker. Now, I'm thinking, Bass, there's probably quite a few people out there who uh, would like to start speaking, but they're absolutely petrified of doing it. Because there's that um, saying, isn't there, which is probably true, that most people are more afraid of speaking than dying. So I, yeah. suppose, I suppose the question is, um, how do you start speaking? How do you overcome that sort of fear of speaking? Yeah. So, so the interesting part here is that knowing that fact actually does two thing, things with people. One, it acknowledges the fact that people are nervous, so it, it makes them acknowledge the fact that it's okay to be nervous. And at the same time, it increases their fear a little bit because of that. But knowing that everybody is nervous helps decreasing the fear. So understanding that nerves are okay is is, is the first thing that, that people need to need to do. Which is, I always explain that I, I was nervous as well when I started off speaking. Mm. And actually, I'm not nervous now when I speak, but I do have a certain tension. And I always compare it to athletes. Uh, when you hear interviews uh, from uh, with athletes who start off like that, like the first game in a first team, for example, they, they were interviewed afterwards. How did you feel? Were you nervous? And then they always like, yeah, I was a little bit tense. But as soon as I step on the pitch, that was gone. Mm. And that is basically what happens with, with speaking as well if you are prepared well enough but not too well 
So the mistake that many speakers make when they go on stage for the first time is that they're overprepared. They, they kind of know every sentence they uh, want to say. And as soon as they, they make a mistake on one of those sentences, that's when they start getting nervous again. And that's when they break up. Right. So basically, you should make it easier on yourself and just know that, OK, this is a topic that I know my stuff about. Mm. But I'm not going to write out every little detail because that will make me nervous. So have like three or four stories basically ready that you can easily tell mm. to anybody. And then that focus on that, and then you have, you'll be less nervous because you're talking about something that you 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 know. So that's one thing. I think if if you're starting off, even getting on that stage, so even before having that opportunity to tell stories, is is a barrier. So people should avoid to start off too big. Mm. So speaking to one person um, is also speaking, but speaking to one person usually is even more daunting than speaking to a group of people. So why not start off with like small things within a meeting, for example? You don't have to do an entire presentation, but talk about stuff from your work um, just five minutes and stand up doing that instead Mm. of sitting down. And the more you do that, the more natural it becomes because you're used to it. One of the reasons why people are nervous is because they're not used to talking to groups and and bigger groups. And so they see a big group and they're like, oh, I'm never going to be able to talk to them. And then when you actually ask them questions about how often do you do you speak up, speak up in meetings? Turns out they quite often speak up in meetings. Uh, It's just that they don't realize that that's when they're also speaking in public. Uh, So so making it more normal, actually, is what breaks the biggest part of the nerves so try to make it normal that's that's one tip i would give people starting off yeah um, and, and basically just do it <laughs> as easy said than done just do it well no you're right it's because it sounds like you don't want to be you don't, you don't want to be sort of so prepared that you're almost like reading a script but you want to have you want to know that you're very knowledgeable about the thing you're going to speak about and have a have a is it that you 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 should have a sort of rough idea of the order of things you're going to address of course you build up the presentation yeah. with a structure you don't want to just go in and 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 start blabbing that doesn't no. work i've but, tried that um, <laughs> yeah well some people can actually pull that off but yeah you have, you have to be like natural on that so that that comes natural that that's not something you can train but if you if so, so you build up a structure you know like okay this is where i start talk about first second third fourth and and these are the stories that I have ready that I want to that, that I can talk about. Basically, stories are stories that you can tell anywhere. And if it's a story you can tell in the pub, you're fine because that you can tell that on stage as well. And that's when it gets re- more relaxed because that's when you're happy with the story. Just don't do too much. I've seen too many speakers do too much practice and and i actually brought someone with me uh last week to a conference Mm. and it was his first time speaking and we did it together and he wanted to uh, to keep practicing all the time and at one point i was like stop practicing don't don't do this because you saw him getting more and more nervous the more he practiced because he kept kept stopping every time he made a mistake in a word you don't want to stop when you make a mistake in a word just go on and have a conversation that's basically it or try and make a joke of it like I do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, I'm, I'm quite interested in, because we, uh, at the beginning of this chat, we were sort of saying how it's really good to do talking, be a speaker. How do you sort of, I'm trying to, trying to work out how to word this question. How, how do you 
try and come away with something? How do you sort of generate, I suppose, no, how do you generate leads? That's what I'm trying to say. How do you sort of, is there anything you can say in, 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 the, in the, the talk that will increase the chance of people coming back to you or, or sort of cause leads yep. to be generated without it sounding like a sales pitch? That's probably a better yeah. way of putting it. So the, lo- the last part you're saying is very important. Don't make it sound like a sales pitch. Yeah. So as soon as you, anything in your presentation sounds like a sales pitch, you're, you're, the people will run away, basically. Yeah. Because uh, they feel that that's something that they uh, uh, they don't want, so you don't want to you want to you don't want to do that. You want to avoid being too aggressive. So don't tell people you should buy; they should buy from you. Mm. I usually don't even tell them what I'm doing, so I don't explain uh, what my job is. But I meld, I, I kind of like mold it into the stories. So I explain, for example, with a client that I was consulting with, we did this and that. So they were like, oh, you work with a client yeah. similar to us. Subtle. Um, yeah, so that's that's yeah. a subtle way of, of, of showing what you're doing. One, and, and that might actually be a nice trick for it. So I've, I've said this internally in training sessions, but I have never said this in public. So this, this, is, some, this, this is a unique one for it's, you. It's an exclusive. <laughs> it's an exclusive. <laughs> um, so one little trick that you can do um, to get people to come up to you at conferences afterwards um, is have an extra story up your sleeve. Mm. And at the end of the presentation, you can say, I have this great story about topics X, Y, or Z. I don't have time for that on stage now, or that's not part of the presentation. But if you're interested in it, it's a really good story. Come look me up after, and I'll tell you the story. And oh, nice. they will come up to you afterwards to hear the story when you're at the coffee, for example, having coffee. You should, of course, then always go to the coffee breaks. Don't go and then run off because then that Disappear. doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. um, so go to the coffee breaks and then people will come up to you. It's like, what was the story you're talking about? And, and tell the story. And then, and then you'll notice that people start gathering because, hey, he's telling the story that he didn't tell in the presentation. Mm. So people want to hear that. And, and sometimes you have to tell it twice or three times, which is fine because then you have a conversation with those people and then you're one-on-one with them which makes it much more easy to to talk about other stuff than uh, than the presentation itself and, and turn them into leads so bass if you had if uh, if you could sum up just one top tip for people that are thinking of starting to speak about what they do what, what would it be one sort of little nugget for our listeners to take away um i would say try it and feel the excitement when people are listening to you because one thing that is really important with speaking and i see this with every speaker is it's addictive it's a drug when you're on stage yeah and you want to you want to try that drug so don't be afraid to, to to fail because you won't fail and people will love it and you will love it even more so try and start small by doing a little bit little presentation and then enjoy it and if i could add to that if you're really afraid tag along with someone tag along with an experienced speaker and mm-hmm. say can we do a presentation together i'd be happy to to help other speakers doing that and and just join up for a presentation to make it easier for for them to start because um, i believe that all marketers actually should be trying at least trying to be speakers well, Bass, thanks so much for coming on today. How can our listeners find out more about you and more about the state of digital and more about speakwithpersuasion.com? I've kind of done it yeah. for you in a way, haven't I, really? <laughs> yeah, you mentioned them all. So uh, I think easiest is speakwithpersuasion.com, stateofdigital.com, of course, that, that's where you can find them. 
at State of Digital and at Baz van den Belt and at Speed Persuasion are uh, the best ways to follow what we're doing. And uh, I'm, I'm actually sending out a weekly newsletter on Speaker Persuasion with tips on, on how to become a better speaker. And there's no lead generation on that, just tips. <laughs> so That's if fantastic. people want that, they can sign up for that. Brilliant. That's well worth checking out. And thanks to our listeners for listening. The show notes are in the usual place, sitevisibility.com slash IM podcast. If you've got sort of um, suggestions or you want to ask questions or, or, or things like that, the uh, email address is podcast at sitevisibility.com. Uh, don't forget you can tweet us at sitevisibility. If you want to connect with me personally, I'm Dr. Pod, D O C T O R P O D, on Twitter and LinkedIn. Just mention the podcast if you connect with me. If you can, then I'll sort of know, know who you are. And uh, also, don't forget we have a site visibility group on LinkedIn. So you can sort of put comments and join in the conversation there so that's all from me Andy and that's all from Bass thank you and speak soon (laughs) and we'll see you next time on Internet Marketing Marketing